everyone. This is Nanette from NanetteFayGordon.com, and you're listening to the Fire After 50 podcast. This is the spot where I sit down with passionate women over the age of 50, and we explore what lights them on fire. Women who listen to their own intuition to design a life they love, many in unconventional ways. So sit back and prepare to be inspired. Welcome to the next episode of the Fire After 50 podcast. Uh, Today, I am interviewing um, a woman that I'm very excited for you to meet. Uh, She has a lot of interesting things going on in her world, especially right now. And um, I think you're going to be very intrigued. And this one's going to be a lot about intuition, is my sense. I think we're going to talk a lot about intuition. Um, And her name is Kara Seymour. And Kara has a deep love for yoga, community, freedom, slow living, and new beginnings. Having recently moved from her home state of Maine to Asheville, North Carolina, she's been immersed in one of the biggest transitions and transformations of her life thus far. Letting go of attachment to former identities and narratives, she's venturing into unknown territory with curiosity and profound trust in the process. As a full-time yoga teacher for the past 20 years, Kara's true gift lies in using yoga as a vehicle for transformation, exploration, and community building. She's been facilitating an online women's yoga community for over five years now and is profoundly grateful for the ever-evolving container that allows women, including herself, the, the safe space to explore the deep inner workings of their lives, to commune, converse, and create true soul sister connections and have a daily devotional Kundalini yoga practice. Kara, welcome to the Fire After 50 podcast. And I am so thrilled that you're here. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here with you and to yeah, share a little bit about my life and to have a conversation that we have no idea where it will go. <laughs> These are That's, my favorite conversations. You know? Me too. And one of the things I always think is like, I know one thing we're probably not going to talk about and that's the weather. Yeah, we're, I mean, you never know though, because that might come up too. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Yeah. Um, because we're in very different places right now. And so, yeah, I'm sure your weather is a lot different than our weather. Um, but the first question I usually ask each woman on the episodes is, what is lighting you on fire right now? What are you most passionate about right now? Mm. Such a beautiful question. What's lighting me up and what feels... Like it's really got my wheels turning right now. Is, you know, sometimes you talk about a concept a lot, you might even teach about it, you know, your life and the work you do is about it. But then when it comes time to like really put the practices into practice, it's like, right now i'm my life is really requiring that i put 
the practices that I teach into practice. And some of those practices, well, it's definitely yoga. That That is just, that's just my daily have tos. Um, but a, what's really lighting me up right now is this new chapter that I am stepping into where it's like I'm being asked to really put down uh, not everything I know, but a lot of what I know and moving into this space of I don't know and not that I don't know from an ignorant place, but I don't know from a mature place from mm -hmm. a wise place and releasing myself from these really tightly held identities of being a yoga teacher and a studio owner and a mentor and you know a leader and an entrepreneur and i've held so tightly on to these aspects of what i've done and who i've considered myself to be and this new chapter of having moved to a you know a new state and a new town where i really didn't know anyone I knew that my personal life was going to shift, but even my professional life, my spiritual life, it, everything has been wanting to shift and I have been in resistance <laughs> to it. And it's just been in the last month where I'm like, you know what, what would happen and who will I become and who will I decide to be now if I actually just like, I let go of everything I thought I was supposed to be doing now and let the universe bring to me the people, the opportunities, the experiences, and maybe awaken some aspects of myself that I didn't even know existed. Mm. Mm. I feel like I'm having a rebirth. As I'm saying all this, I'm like, oh, this is kind of like a rebirth. It you know? sounds like it. Yeah, it sounds like a rebirth. Like yeah. everything that you sort of have known up until now, like who Kara is and yeah. what her interests are, what she's good at, what she's not, like all those stories that we tell ourselves. And it sounds like somehow, and I want to know how, how do you, how do you release those? Well, I will tell you, like I, I touched upon a few moments ago, I said I've been in resistance to it. So it's not like this has been an easy journey this past year the the move and the transition has really brought it's brought up so much um and i would say it was about a um maybe even a month and a half ago at this point i recognize these certain things just weren't working i was like trying i was like forcing and i'm realizing like you know, nothing, nothing that's meant to be. I mean, I know this, but I'm having the real life experience that nothing that's meant to be needs to be forced. That's my belief anyways. And that's also my experience. And yet I was trying to like force, I was, you know, oh, like I'm a yoga teacher. So I need to connect to yoga studios here and I need to like be teaching in studios. And I've done that in two different spaces and it wasn't quite right. And it's not that this, there's anything wrong with the studios. It's that that's not what I'm actually supposed to be doing right now. Mm. 
And at first I thought, maybe it's not the right location. Maybe it's not the right studio. Maybe the energy isn't right, but it's like, and then when it happened the second time, I was like, no, there's something I'm needing to let go of here. And it doesn't mean I'm never going to teach yoga again. And I do teach every morning in my women's community, but that's a, a different kind of container. And so I realized that in this really beautiful conversation that I had with a woman who's actually in homecoming, the women's community I run, she came to, to Asheville for a retreat center. We met up for the very first time. And it was like this conversation with her that really kind of just, you know, if you're on a path in the woods and you take a one degree turn to the right and then keep going straight, you end up somewhere completely different than if you hadn't taken that like one little micro turn, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like meeting with her was that micro turn that like kind of corrected, mm. self-corrected the path. Mm. And I don't feel like there's any wrong way you can go. Like every detour is meant to be also, right? But in that conversation, I heard myself saying, well, what I actually admitted out loud is that I was feeling like a failure because certain things weren't happening and working out professionally in the way that I had done before, the way that I thought they should now, quote unquote. And, and I was like, I'm not a failure. I mean, I know that, but like to, I was like, the universe just wants me to be moving in other directions. The universe wants me to open myself up to possibilities. Maybe, you know, getting a job somewhere while running, you know, my women's community is exactly what I need to get integrated into this community that I've been still very much in a cocoon for three years. And now I'm in a new location. It's one thing to be in a cocoon in your place where you have a lot of friends and family, but when you're like in a cocoon and you're like deeply nesting in a place where you don't know anyone, it can be very lonely. Mm -hmm. So I had been feeling like I might need, need to get a job and I haven't had like a J-O-B or worked for anyone else, you know, in 20 years. So that was like causing these deep-seated beliefs of feeling like a failure as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I get and, that. You know, and I was having all these thoughts like, I can't do that. I'm not for that. That's not for me. Um, like, yeah, it was just block, 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 block. And then in this one conversation, it's like all of those blocks just got shattered. And then I moved into this space over the next few days of like excitement, like, maybe the this second half of my life is meant to be doing something totally new and totally different and learn a, a skill set that I don't even have right now. And how cool and fun would that be to learn new things? Like I've been in the wellness, I've been in the yoga world professionally for 20 years and it's been amazing and it will always be a part of who I am and what I've done and maybe what I continue to do. Yet the thought of new beginnings, being a beginner at something and learning skills that may benefit me in ways I can't even imagine, that sounds so exciting to me 
but yeah. like two days prior to that conversation, that was like not exciting. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's amazing how that switch in mind frames can make us feel like, oh, I would be a failure if I got a job to, ooh, I wonder what job might be coming my way. Like, it's just such a mind game, isn't it? It's crazy. And I had a similar experience, actually, not long ago. Um, I'm in this group where one person will bring an issue to the table and they just tell what their issue is and they tell what they would like help with and they turn off their microphone, it's online. And then everyone else can only ask questions. Like, have you thought about blah, blah, blah? And during that time, one of the women said, um, maybe the issue is that you are meant to be doing something completely and totally different than anything that you're doing right now. And I felt really excited too. I was like, well, I like what I do. I love what I do. But the thoughts of something brand new that was very, very exciting. And the reminder that no matter how long we've been doing something, how successful we've been at that thing, that in any moment, we can still choose something different. Not because what we were doing doesn't work anymore or is bad or whatever. I mean, there's no bad or good unless we label that, but it's just for the sake of our own joy. Yes. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. And joy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I've been moving into this space of just like, okay, those, I, I've been so attached to the identity as a yoga teacher, as a former three-time yoga studio owner. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard myself say that out loud to people, especially in moving here and realizing now, like I'm really paying attention to the stories that I tell, not because the stories, some of the stories are just so old and I'm, I'm done with them, right? The stories about maybe former relationships and who I was in them and blah, blah, blah. But even the stories of like, I've been teaching yoga for 20 years. I've owned three yoga studios, blah, blah. It's like, I'm not saying there's not a time and place to tell parts of your story. There totally are. I mean, podcast is a great example of it. And yet I've noticed that there is this feeling it's now it's more conscious because I've been aware looking of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I tell these certain stories to almost prove my worth or my value in the world um, just because I might not be doing that right now. It's like, but this is what I've done. So mm -hmm. I've been really aware of that. And mm -hmm. it's like, who am I if I don't even tell those stories? Or maybe someone doesn't find that out about me until we've hung out for months. Right. Yeah. Like if I just let go of all the stories of who I've been and what I've done and what I'll never do and blah, 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 blah. And I just show up right here, right now and have more of a conversation of like, what's alive in me now? Like, who do I get to be? And how does my life get to be created from this moment? Because this is the moment we are also 
basically coding our future with. So if I just keep talking about what I've done, right? <laughs> what I've been, like, you know, that's that's done. You know, I'm not trying to recreate that. Mm-hmm. So I've just I've been very aware of our stories, the stories mm-hmm. we choose to tell other people, the stories we choose to tell ourselves, the stories that we just have on repeat. Mm-hmm. And and some of those stories maybe just need a bit of an uh, like a shift in perspective. And some of them, maybe we can just like lay to rest completely. Right. I loved it when I asked you um, if you would write a short bio for me and you said, oh, I'll be really interested to see who, what I'm going to write this time. Like I always write something different because I'm always in a little bit of a different place. And I was like, oh, I love that. And that goes back to your bio is not just you know, not just, I shouldn't say just, but a yoga teacher who's owned three studios. It's like, who am I today? Who am I sitting here today? And again, your story goes back to years and years ago for me when I worked for the Department of Corrections and I was the assistant director of a correctional facility in Maine. And I can remember distinctly when I was getting ready to leave there. And for years, I'd said to people, oh, well, I'm the assistant director at a correctional facility. And and I felt proud of that, you know. And I'm like, what am I going to say to people when they ask what I do or who I am? Like, who will I be without that label? And it was a very exciting time to leave that label behind and say, who am I now? And I love that at this age, because it feels almost like something that we do when we're younger and in some odd way. And the fact that we're talking about it at our ages now, like, yeah, we've lived a lot of life, but who do who am I now? And yeah, coding what's what's ahead of us. I love that. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about, actually, I've got a list and we might need to do two po- two podcasts because I've got a long list for you, but I'll get a, through a few. Um, so we met each other years ago through my circle of women group briefly. And um, and then I, I think we follow each other on social media and I've got a fly around here. Sorry. And um, and then one of the things that you had said on social media really grabbed my attention And I kept watching and watching and listening and listening. And that had to do with your decision and how you made it to move to Asheville. And I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's really multi-layered and to kind of sum up how I got here, my daughter has a self-appointed dad that is not her biological dad and happens to be a woman (laughs) because you know in this day and age like you get i don't know i just love how my kid anyways like chooses her family you know Mm -hmm. um so when when lila my daughter was eight years old she met we met together, this woman and her three kids, who it was just like love at first sight, soul family connection. And we all lived together for a while. And Lila at some point within that first year just started calling her dad. So 
I refer to her often to other people as lady dad, but in our house, Natalie is dad. <laughs> and Natalie and her kids moved to North Carolina about eight or nine years ago. And since they moved here, Lila has been visiting them over the summer for many years. I think she was here for seven summers and she really just lived her best life when she was here. They were not directly in Asheville at first. They were more in the mountains and it was the summer of 2022 and Lila was enrolled to go to USM, which was more of just kind of a safe option for her. She wasn't ready to leave me and yeah, so she just decided I'm going to stay here. I'm going to go to college. And she was in North Carolina. We were on the phone and I could just hear, I could hear the joy in her and the ease and the, I could just feel her energy while she was here in North Carolina. And I just spontaneously said, don't you just want to live in North Carolina? And she was like, yeah, but I'm not ready to leave you. And, and I said, I know. I said, let's just go. Like, I'll go. I have never been. I have literally never been. And I just felt like I, this is a way that I can support my daughter, but also it turns out like Lila was bringing me here. Mm -hmm. So we, I just said to the universe, okay, if this is what's meant to be, because I knew it would be a big move. I didn't know how big it would be <laughs> until I got here. But I said to the universe, if this is what's meant to be, you need to find me a cabin in the, on the mountain in the woods. And within a month, we got connected to a man who had a cabin on a mountain in the woods, wow. exactly where we wanted to be. Hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take that as a sign. And we pretty much, you know, sold about like half of our stuff in our house, put the rest in a U-Haul, pulled my car behind and just got here on Halloween of last year. And we landed at that place and we were in the mountains for about uh, almost four months. And I loved where we were, except that I knew I was never going to really find my community if I was living on top of a mountain <laughs> in the woods. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, look, this is more of my like long-term vision of where I, how I want to live, but I need to find my people, you know? Mm -hmm. So we moved, we moved to town, we moved to Asheville. Um, yeah. So that's, I feel like, you know, we both brought each other here. Mm -hmm. In your, it seems as though you, you and your intuition are very, very well connected. <laughs> I know that probably sounds strange, but my sense is that you use your intuition to make big decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And I would actually even say that making the bigger decisions is almost easier for me than the smaller decisions, mm. intuitively wise. Mm -hmm. Every business that I've ever created and ended and like the big decisions that I've made in my life have always come with a very clear knowing. And I usually have no idea how, I don't know exactly how that's going to work out. I don't know where the money's going to come from, blah, blah, blah. But I just like, I, I get the vision 
and I know it's going to happen. And they generally happen quite quickly. Hmm. So you don't worry about the steps in between. It's kind of like, you know, it's going to happen and you trust, you trust the universe or your intuition that you'll find the way. Yeah. For the most part. I'm not going to say I don't ever get caught in the weeds. Like, you know, um, but when I look back at the big significant moments of just knowing, like, I know this is going to happen. I don't know how, I don't even know exactly when, but I always know it's going to be soon when the vision is not just a vision in my mind, but it's like, I can feel it. I'm just like, yep, it's happening. I usually step out of the way and I take not, I step out of the way in terms of there's no force, but I do take action, Mm, you know? Right. It's not just sitting around on the couch waiting for it to happen. You're, you're taking it. Yeah. I'll give you a very clear example of when I moved here. So when we first moved to North Carolina, so I put out that to the universe and I, I mean, I did a ceremony around it. I did, I did daily prayers. And for me, the daily prayers are a really big part of my manifestation process. I say them out loud. I get myself into the dreaming forward state of like speaking out loud what it is that I desire, but as if it's already happening right now and how I'm going to feel. And I say out of the details as much as I want, or I get into the details that are important to me. And that's, that's my daily prayer. And I would do, I did that for about 10 minutes a day for however long. I mean, I think it was, it might've been a little more than a month before the cabin came, because I don't even think I started looking right away. But as soon as I started looking, then it was a month until it was like solidified. And we like, you know, had an agreement. So I knew part of me knew that the home that was meant to be ours for however long was going to come through someone I already knew. And this is actually part of my human design. And that's like a topic for a whole other conversation. But part of part of my profile in human design is a two four and the four is about community. So basically, and this is very true for me, everything that I need and want comes through someone that I know. Mm. And maybe that person that I know is connected to someone else that I, that they know that, but it happens through community. And the place we were moving to has this email list. It's almost like a Craigslist and it goes out every Sunday and you can put your own um, ad in. Like I'm looking for a two, three bedroom house on a mountain, ideally with some running water, which I did that, you know, and then people who have houses or anything else that they're selling or wanting or creating is on that email list. I knew our house was going to come through either that email list or someone that Lila was connected to in the community. Hmm. So I put out my ad and it went for three weeks before someone contacted me and said, I think I have something for you. Now, he didn't put his thing on the email list, but he reached out to me. And as soon as he started talking about it, I was, I just knew. I was like, this is literally, we had a subterranean tropical greenhouse right next to my house that I needed to take care of. I was like, where in the world does that exist on top of a mountain, you know? Oh Oh my gosh. Well, that's the story that I followed along and, and, um, 
I thought, first of all, wow, she's so courageous to be making these decisions based on, you know, her intuition. And then I thought, but maybe, maybe it's not bravery. Maybe it's just the knowing, maybe it's just the knowing, or maybe that's a combination of the two. Um, And I, you know, I think for people who are women, especially maybe who struggle with hearing their intuition and then following their intuition. Um, Do you have any thoughts on how to hone that? Besides you'd mentioned your, your daily prayer, how other, what other ways can we hone? um, I mean, we all have it. It's really more listening, listening to it and trusting it. Yeah. But how do you trust it? Like, that's really the question. It's not, how do you access it? Because we all have access to it. It's how do we trust it is really, I think, the question. Mm-hmm. And it's a great question. And it's a question that, you know, I'm often in with other women because I feel like if I can do anything in my lifetime, it is help women remember that they already know whatever it is that they know. It's not what I know. It's what you know for your life, Mm. right? And like helping my daughter keep her intuition intact because we all arrive to this planet with this knowing, with this inner GPS and over our, you know, especially mostly in childhood, um, we've had to move away from that, kind of quiet that distance ourselves from the inner knowing in order to, basically fit into family systems and school systems because there were people well usually well-intended humans like our parents and our teachers but they had agendas for us and they had expectations and they you know we in order to do what they wanted us to do or stop doing what they didn't want us to do anymore we often had to put aside our own inner desire and then it's like later in life that we're like oh my God, like that brought me down some really long detours and probably some really painful situations. And now I need to come back home to myself. So how do I come back home to the part of me that knows and trust it? Because I thought I trusted it back then. But if you go back and you like think back, it's like, usually we can say, I knew I shouldn't have done that. And I don't want to like should on us, you know, but um, because I do believe that every choice we've made up until now has benefited our evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I often will suggest is it's different for everybody because first of all, our intuition, it lives in our body. It speaks different to everybody. Some people have more similar, like some people have like a gut feeling. Some people have a vision. Some people have just a knowing. Some people hear it auditorily, you know, so our intuition speaks in different ways, but generally you have one or two ways primarily that you receive your knowing. And I feel that the more connected you are to your physical body, the easier it is to access that. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, I feel that embodiment practices can be really helpful. That could be an embodiment. I know that's like a, a word we hear a lot these days in our circles, but all that means is being in your body, in embodiment in your body. So whether that's yoga, walking, swimming, dancing, meditating, like whatever helps you to be in your body it could be literally taking a daily bath and and not only be in your body, but ideally help to be present to quiet the mind. So there are many different practices that have worked for me over the years and that I've suggested to the women I work with. Some of them could just be some people really love journaling, like free writing. So if if you are someone who's into, into journaling or writing, you can literally ask a question to either you can think of it as your higher self, you can God, spirit, universe, or you're speaking to your intuition as if like your intuition is separate from you, but it's not. And if you put pen to paper for more than five minutes, and you're not thinking, you're just writing after, you know, for different people, different times, but like after three to five to seven minutes, you start to truly access your subconscious and you bypass the conscious mind. And there's a lot of wisdom that can come through you while you write. Mm. A question I used to ask quite a long time ago, I, I started this practice was what is spirit's highest vision for me right now? Well, that's good... I would ask that and I would write that question and then I would stream of consciousness, whatever came through. And at the beginning, you might be literally like, I am sitting here on my couch, blah, 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 blah. Think, <laughs> uh, write, don't think, write, don't think, write, don't think. I have a journaling practice in the morning that is free writing. So sometimes I'm literally writing, write, don't think. <laughs> you yes. know, and then eventually something comes through. Mm -hmm. So there could be, that as a practice one thing that i that has worked for me that again i'm not i'm not saying that this is going to work for everyone but the way that my system works it works very well with yes or no or this or that kind of questions and all i need to do is sit take a few breaths this is if i'm not too busy in my mind but i'm just like i can i can drop in pretty quickly and then i just ask is it in my highest and best interest to move to Asheville right now? And I will either get a yes that comes in for me. It feels like it, the yes comes in through my, the right side of my body. And then the no will come in through the left side. And I can't question it just like whatever comes through in that moment. And then I get to decide, this is the decision part. Do I decide to trust it? And the hardest part is when the answer comes through that you don't want. Yes. Like you want a yes, but you get a no, or you get a no, but you want a yes. And that's where, so, so it, for someone who feels like they have not been consciously connected and intimate with their intuition in the recent years, don't start with big questions. Don't start with, should I move to across the country or not? You start with small things. And maybe it's not the question. Maybe it's just, um, you have a feeling in your body. Like 
it's like an opening kind of happens, even if it's subtle, there's an opening when it's a yes, there's like a contraction when it's a no, there's you talking it out to a trusted friend, not to have their opinion, but to hear what you have to say and how you're saying it. That is one of the most powerful ways that I access my knowing, especially when I have a decision to make that I just don't know right off the bat what the answer is. I have to talk it out to a trusted friend and it's rarely has anything to do with what that person says unless they ask me a great question. And then it's again, it's my response mm. to them. So you start with the smaller things, the things that don't have large consequences. Mm. And so you're building the muscle. I mean, everyone listening may have heard this before. It's a, an analogy that it's just really good. It's like intuition is like a muscle. And if it's atrophied, it's atrophied. It didn't disappear. You didn't come to this planet without that muscle. It just might be weakened and that's okay. Like you can, just like you go to the gym to strengthen your muscles, you just, you can practice daily. Oh, like today, what's actually another fun practice that can be like kind of like a game is take a walk. I find it more fun when you go downtown somewhere where it's one thing to like, you know, if you take a daily walk in the woods like I do and maybe take a different path, that can work too. But I used to do this in Portland all the time, not all the time, but often. I would give, I have like an hour or two and I would have no agenda and I wouldn't take, I would get to every single street or like, yeah, every single street where I could then go straight, left or right. And I would get to it and I would feel which way to go. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Every single street, <laughs> because especially if you're in a town where you know people, like that could lead you to someone you would have never seen otherwise. Absolutely. Right? Oh, I got to try that one. I love that. It's really that's a fun. Yeah, that's a great, and, it, and it's a great one to start tapping into how am I feeling and where do I feel it when it comes exactly. to because I think you're right. So many of us, I mean, I feel it a lot in my throat. When my yes or no's, when I think about- so what does it feel like for you? The, the no is very contracted. It makes me kind of want to talk like this. And then the yes is like a vibrant yes. And I can really, the, the throat opening feels like a yes. And that constricted is like a no. And, and I- I I feel that in the speaking piece too. Like if I'm having like difficulty, like swallowing or a little sore throat or generally I'm like, okay, what's, what's happening? What's happening? Like, am I not speaking my truth? Um, you know, why is my throat constricted or why is it feeling sore? Yeah. For a lot of it for in my body, it seems like my throat is a big one to be able to really kind of be in tune with, am I in the, on the right path? Am I speaking my truth? That kind of thing. Um, but those that, are great suggestions. Yeah. And that you're, what you just shared has me thinking about this whole other side of intuition with the body where your body is always communicating with you, like always, but oftentimes we don't listen and we just think, Oh, I might have a sore throat, you know, but maybe so your throat com um, comment just reminded me I haven't thought of this for years, but probably 10 years ago, I had an entire year 
where I felt like I had a lump in my throat. But so had I not been really connected to myself, I would have gone to the doctor and been like, do I have a tumor in my throat? Because it was almost, I mean, it felt that physical, Mm. but intuitively I knew I was not speaking my truth. And Mm. I knew that it was a block. It was energetic and it needed to be moved, but it was there for a whole year. So listen to, if anyone listening to this conversation right now has something going on in their body, or if you don't have something going on currently, how does your body, like we all have patterns that show up in our bodies, right? Like some people like myself might tend towards headaches when something's off, like I might get a headache when something's off or like my daughter, she usually gets a belly ache, right? Our bodies have really consistent ways of speaking to us. But often we're like, okay, give me the medicine or take me to the doctor or like, but it's like your body is consciousness. Every single one of the trillions of cells is made up of the same stuff that are made up of the trees and the stars. And this is what we call God, source, divine, consciousness, whatever. So there is a deep intelligence in our body. And if we just listened to it more, I think that we would have the information that oftentimes we're seeking, but we're ignoring, we're ignoring, we're avoiding, we're pretending we don't know, but we know. Because we don't want to listen to it. Again, I think it goes back again to, I see this, I feel it, I hear it in my body, but I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. So we like shut it down, shut it down, take the medicine, you know, whatever it might be. And uh, yeah, it's it's a hard one, especially like you said, if your brain says, I don't want that. I don't want to make that change, for instance, but my body's telling me that I that's really what the right thing is for me. It, it's that when the heart and the mind aren't, working in conjunction with each other. And yeah, that's, and I think that's where a lot of, I I mean, maybe I'm speaking at a school, but it feels to me like that's where a lot of like addiction comes from, you know, when we're trying to, or not just addiction, but other things, like we're trying to tamp it down, tamp it down. Like I hear you, I see you, but I don't want to deal with you because I feel like I want to do something different because of fear, because of Usually fear. I guess usually fear. Always fear. Always fear. Yeah. 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 The only reason we wouldn't listen is because we know that we're going to have to make a change, whether that's leaving a relationship, leaving a job, like start and not just leaving. It might be starting a business that like has been wanting to be or a project that is wanting to be birthed through you for years, but you are terrified because you know the person that you're going to need to grow into and become in order to be that person who does that is going to be uncomfortable at times, you know, or maybe it's going to outshine, you know, what you think your people can handle. Like we have, so it, I think it's, always out of fear. I mean, in my past, I won't go into all the details in this conversation, but I have had my body speak to me so loudly for years when it was telling me to leave a relationship or that something was wrong in the relationship and I didn't have all the information. And my body had symptoms that were 
so loud. And the moment that I left the relationship, the moment that the information became clear in the relationship, the moment that I spoke my truth, all of these symptoms literally disappeared. That's amazing. So your body knows. It does. You know, body knows. It does. Um, I want to talk um probably briefly, because I know we're getting on in time here, but you introduced me in our short Zoom call that we had prior to this interview when we I connect with folks and we just have a little conversation. Um, something that felt almost like um I don't know, a new religion or something. I don't know. It was like, oh my God. And since you told me about it, I have like been talking to people about it. I've done some research and that is the astro um, cartography. And I don't know how I miss this in the world because <laughs> I feel like I'm pretty in tune with all that shit. And so for people who don't know what that is, could you briefly give us a little bit of information about what it is? Absolutely. And all I can give you is brief because I, I'm not an astrologer. I, I don't know a lot about it, but I know enough to have known about it. <laughs> and um, so especially for people who are interested in astrology, you, check it out because it's fascinating and basically my limited understanding of astro cartography is that it's like taking your astrological blueprint right you need your date of birth time and location you plug it in it takes your astrological blueprint and it lays it over our planet earth and so there are all of the lines of the planets that run from, I think they run from North Pole to South Pole. And that line runs through either sometimes just the ocean, sometimes through certain states in our country, sometimes through other continents, right? You've got your Jupiter line, your Venus line, your Mercury line, like all the planets run through from North to South. and. So if we, we know that Venus, Venus is very much about love, right? Love and beauty and some more stuff. But some people who are really into astrology will move to their Venus line to find love because in, through the lens of astrocartography, this is the most likely place that you are, you're, that you're going to attract your love your partner your soulmate whatever um and then jupiter jupiter is you know the planet of expansion and abundance and adventure so that could be a really fun place to live right you find maybe jupiter runs through you know california or like not just california like a specific place within california maybe it runs um, maybe it's over in Russia, you know, I mean, who knows there, we all have them in different spots. So I wasn't heavily into, and I wouldn't say I am at the moment either, but I've known about astrocartography for, for many years and post moving here, I didn't look at my chart 
before moving to North Carolina, but after, and things have been, it's been a wild ride, you know, we didn't even get into that, but it's been, it's been intense. It has been like, I've explained it before, like, I've been floating in the middle of the ocean without any life rafts. And like every once in a while, a life raft comes along, which is like this comfort and from familiarity. But like, I hold on to it for like, a l just enough time, but then it like dissolves, you know, it's been and it's not like, and I don't say that as like, it's been a drowning kind of experience. It's just been like, floating in the unknown, not knowing when that boat's going to come pick me up, <laughs> you know, wow. So time it's it's i'm shifting out of that but as i was in this very deep kind of void abyss space i was like i wonder if there are any particular lines running through asheville on my astrophotography chart so i looked it up and i just so happened to literally be living on my pluto line the chances of you even living on a line is already um like so rare you yeah. Know? Um, and the fact that the my Pluto line runs right next to Asheville and they say in astrocartography that um, you're affected by that planet where you're living set in 700 mile circumference. But mm -hmm. if you're like right on the dot, then that's going to be the most intense. And I'm very close to on the dot. Um, and so Pluto is the it's a slow planet. The planet moves very slow. And it's about deep, deep transformation, shadow work. Mm -hmm. And and so it that made so much sense. I mean, part of me was like, oh my God, I can't believe I moved to a Pluto line. Like this is this is like deep work. And it's like, it's not easy work. Yet, if you're willing to do the work that's gonna be required of you on the Pluto line, whether you like it or not. Um, unless you move, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's, this can be the most epic transformational place I could ever choose to live. And I love that I had no foresight with that. I just intuitively, some part of me is like, this is the work you do, Kara. Like, let's transform all that old stuff that most of it you don't even know is there yet. It's like that deep. <laughs> Mm. That's and I'm going to create space to make that happen. And, and so here we are. And now it's like, okay, this all makes a lot of sense. <laughs> well, well, I have, of course, had to do mine. Um, and well, one of the very interesting things is probably for the past five years, one of the places that I've really, really, really wanted to go. Well, two places. One is Santa Fe, New Mexico, which I, um, I was hoping to be there this year, but I don't know if I'll make it. But the other one is Cuba. And um, I have Jupiter, Mercury, and Pluto all going through Cuba. Three planets going through Cuba. So- wow. I mean, I have to go to Cuba now. Like, there's just no way around it. I have to go to Cuba. And it's been at the one of the top places, probably in the top two places for several years that I have I've researched it. I have a gentleman that I'd like to travel with who's a photographer and he goes down there and he teaches photography uh, groups and he works with the Havana um, like uh, ballet. I mean, it's just all the things. And when I saw that, I was like, of course, 
<laughs> of course. That makes so much sense because I wouldn't say that most people are like, I want to go to Cuba. Like that, you know, I mean, some people have that, but that's not like a common, you know, that's not a common desire. So to see those powerful planets going right through all three of them. It was amazing. Well, it is amazing. Um, so one of the last things that I wanted to ask you about um, is your group that you have now. And I went and looked a little bit at it. I didn't really know much about it, but I am all about community myself with my circle of women and this podcast. And I community for me, I think is one of the most important things too in my life. And I love what was written about your group called Homecoming. And it says, Homecoming is a community of women on a spiritual quest to create purposeful lives aligned with our soul destiny. It's like slam dunk. (laughs) (laughs) And what does that community mean to you? Oh man, it means it it means so much to me. It has always meant so much to me, but like you like during this transition, the community, it's home. We all live in different places. A lot of the women in there do live in Maine, but you know, not everyone lives in Maine. And it's it feels like home because Mm. what a home in my mind should feel like safe comfortable relaxing you're just told you know when you're in your home and whether you live alone or you have a partner and kids like you're like your full self right you don't hold anything back you're your goofy self you're sometimes your frustrated angry self it's just like these people see all of you and and that's how homecoming feels to me it's like i get to be fully me and and so do these women and for a lot of women a lot of women have sisterhood wounds and if someone listening has never heard that kind of term before what that means what that means to me anyways is a lot of women have either been pitted against each other from day one by what I think is just the patriarchy, because if women were in zero competition with each other and we just came together in support and reverence of one another, we are so freaking powerful. We can make anything happen. And I do believe there have been forces at play that have been trying to keep us divided so that we aren't in our full power, but that's changing. We are making that happen. but. You know, a lot of women grew up like in competition with other women, or they had like, they have literal sister wounds from like their biological sisters, their mothers, those those are sisterhood wounds too. Or they've had really intense breakups with girlfriends, which I have had in my my history, in my experience. Um, They just haven't felt safe around women. Mm. And, And that's not everybody. Some women have the exact opposite experience, but I, love that homecoming is a space for women to come into whether they already have multiple crews of girlfriends in real life and i say real life in like the physical and they get to have more of that virtually 
um, or they're the kind of woman who like they've mostly had guy friends most of their life because they're like it's not safe to be in relationship with women and they come in and they're like oh my god I have never I can't tell you how many times I've heard I've never had this wow. this is so amazing and to share what's on your heart as often as you want with sometimes these women have never shared these things before and to be loved yeah. i have the shivers all of that um this is homecoming is an evolution of you know i started over five years ago you know it had a different name and i even took a, a brief break in there at one point but it's mostly the same crew of women. And then we get more women and some women leave, like you can come and go, it's a monthly membership. Some women don't even practice Kundalini yoga. Like I teach every morning a, a Kundalini pranayama and meditation. Some are really consistent and some just, they're like, we're just here for the sisterhood. Mm -hmm. You know, with the conversations that aren't happening in other aspects of their lives. Um, it's so beautiful and for me, what's really cool is that over the years, and in particular this year, I, I, I used to not participate in certain ways that I suggested other women participate as like the facilitator, as the teacher, you know, I, I kind of hung back a little bit and, and I don't do that anymore. I am mm. full participant, full student. <laughs> Um, I, I got to do a lot of thinking around that for my circle of women, because I do think I hold back some as the facilitator. And I'm, I think I'm very, I, I feel engaged, but I need to do some thinking around that. Th thank you for bringing that up. Because I think when you're a facilitator, it's easy to fall into that, into that trap or into that role. Well, I think that's what we've been taught, you know, as a teacher, like, you don't, you have, like, you know, you kind of have it all together and blah, blah, blah. And like, if they see this side of me, maybe they won't want to be in my container anymore. So I have just obliterated all of that. And I'm like, this is my real self, real life right now, struggles and all. And actually, I think this is where the beauty comes from is like, I don't have it all together. And this year I really don't have it all together and I'm not pretending that I do and I'm not hiding any of it. Mm. And that to me is like true leadership actually. It's the kind of leadership I am looking for when I join a container mm. is more transparency. Mm -hmm. I don't want someone whose life is perfect. I mean, that doesn't even exist, but it's like, I want someone who's real someone who's like willing to go through the muck and and let us go with with her or him mm -hmm. and like someone who's willing to the work like how how do we the insights we gain through the shit right exactly exactly yeah and i don't think i i completely agree with you i i don't want to be in in groups where someone is pretending to be perfect because they're afraid they're not going to be accepted or that we're not going to join um and I, i'm sort of in the same place that i really want to be as transparent as possible um about the difficulties and um you know because i think that when we do that when we show our vulnerability then others feel much more able and comfortable 
to show and share their vulnerabilities and and we're all just friggin' humans, you know, and yeah. that's just the way it is. Yeah, so. you're modeling your which is leadership, you know, you're modeling, not to model, but just to do it, you know, just because it's true. And you're you're paving the way, like, okay, like here's my stuff. And I'm the one, like, you guys are paying, you know, like <laughs> um. I feel that it's very brave and it's very courageous and it is very feminine, you yes. know, like feminine leadership to me is very vulnerable. It's very raw and it's very honest. I love that. You are so right. And I think that is the beauty and the strength of feminine leadership yeah. right there. I think you really hit on it. And with that note, I think we'll, wrap it up, but I do want um, folks to know where they can find you online if they're interested in joining your homecoming community um, or other things that you might be doing or just follow along on your story. Where could people find you? Yeah. So right now, really the only place that I am active at this very moment, um, when you're listening to this, this might be different, but um, is in my homecoming community and that's homecomingcommunity.com you can get the description you can sign up there i up until um about a month and a half ago i have been very active on social media um, instagram and facebook and i'm in a place where i'm taking space from those platforms and i'm really giving the parts of my life that nourish me more attention. Mm -hmm. And so that is homecoming directly in there. And we have our own private app. So it's, it's almost like having our own social media app, but there's no distraction, right? It's not on Facebook. Um, so I'm in that space and you can join my um, email newsletter through my social media uh, links. But who knows when I'll send out the next email? <laughs> Could be months from now. Um, but I am, a, I mean, if you want to go find me on social media, it's Instagram, it's Kara underscore Seymour underscore. And on Facebook, it's just Kara Seymour and it's K A R A S E Y M O U R. And I think you'll put the link to Homecoming in the show notes. Is that right? I will. I'll put um, the link to Homecoming. I'll do the links also to your social media. Um, in the show notes for folks that want to be able to find you. And um, so I so appreciate you taking the time today and having like the really honest um, conversations and um, you know, it's uh, it, where we have very busy lives and busy things going on with children and, you know, all the things that we do, especially at the ages that we are, we have, a multitude of, of people and things and to take an hour to be able to sit and have conversations like this to me, like really means so, so much. And I really, really appreciate it and appreciate you and your time. And thank you so, so much. You're so welcome. And thank you for the invitation. Having conversations is these kinds of conversations are literally what Fill, fill me up. So I appreciate the opportunity to just share and to chat and, 
And I look forward to our next conversation. Me too. And I'll be watching for all your next moves through your, your amazing intuition that you're a wonderful role model for that. And, and thank you so much. Thank you, love. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fire After 50 podcast. Please check the show notes for links and resources to everything we mentioned in this episode. And if you'd like to be a guest on my podcast, please visit my website at nanettefaygordon.com. And surprise, surprise, I specialize in photographing women over 50. If you'd like more information, you can log on to my website. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.